This is Peak Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I'm one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? Steve, I'm going to give you a little choose your adventure here at the top of the show. Do you want pessimistic Mike or optimistic Mike? You know what? I'm in an optimistic mood. All right. Well, I was hoping you'd say pessimistic because that was more fun. But optimistic <laughs> Mike, I've been running for like a week straight, and I think I am just, I got, I haven't hit the point yet where... I, you know, am hurting and, and suffering and injured yet. So I'm just like all time high, ready to roll. I'm ready to just drop some crazy fast times. Look at you, Mike. Look at you. One, one week in and you're, you're ready one to week. roll. That's all, that's all I need. <laughs> and as always at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Gentlemen, I have been better. It is, I would say in my mind, maybe the worst season of the year. And that is poison ivy season you'll notice i got very little clothes on right now trying to air things out there's uh, i don't want to get too graphic for the listeners out there but you know there's there's some pus bubbles everywhere i mean it is it is not good right now boys i mean i get I, i don't know i don't know i don't know what i do you know you think after getting poison ivy 27 years out of 27 years i would figure out what poison ivy looks like and i'd stay away from it uh but i but i have failed at that this summer once again I know I'm just gearing up for next year for a, a, a no poison ivy year because this year is totally a wash. But it's uh I've seen better days, boys. I've seen better days. Just chalk that up to another excuse not to run, gentle. Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the best excuse not. I don't want to do anything. Go to work, uh, like get out of bed in the morning, go into bed at night. I mean, I just want to. I just want to stand naked in the middle of my apartment <laughs> all day, and that's Fair really enough. all I can do comfortably. <laughs> Oh, that is disgusting. And at the 27 video production studio, we got ProFlow. What's up, Flo? Steve, I am doing great. This is the best I've been in about four or five months since quarantine started. I was just saying, been able to string along like four or five days of just nothing but good stuff happening, which has been incredible. 27 video is buzzing right now. Two new wedding jobs in the last three days. We're feeling great. But what I wanted to do off the top here is shout somebody out. And that is Olivia Sweat. We call her Liv. She lives on my street at home. Liv is nine years old, right? And just like for the running world, watch out for this girl. The John Carson race in Chumsford, Mass. She won it last year. She wins it like every year. Road race in Chumsford, like over a thousand people. She's just a beast. Gets canceled because of Corona. So what does Liv do? She's going to be like president one day. She just organizes a road race of her own. They started at the Riley School. She had like 30 or 40 people in there. Shocker. She won it. Just cruised by all the other kids that were in it. There were some adults that were in it. But the fact that she organized her own race, she's got the same exact energy that we have here at P2E. So I know she's going to be running in the two-miler. But I needed to shout out Liv because I was talking to her today. Just crushed everyone, set up her own race, dominated everyone, got a running club in Lowell to like sponsor it, get drinks and everything there. It was incredible. So shout out, Liv. Great work. Sav of the week, baby. Yeah. yeah we, don't, we don't talk a lot of high school running on this show, but we will talk a little middle school running. Once Nine years old, <laughs> you know? organized her own race. So we have to 
try and beat Liv. She set the bar pretty high. We have to try and get more people, I guess. Dude, I am so down to talk middle school running because that was by far the prime of my career. (laughs) Not to brag, eighth grade, you know, undefeated season, Immaculate Conception school. Yeah, I mean, that's that's where it all began and all ended for you. Undefeated season? Undefeated season. What was, what was the Everybody. biggest race? Is there like a state championship at that age? So we had, you know, like the ecumenical league school championship. Well, so, okay. That's, ecumenical? Not, what the hell? That's not that? entirely true. Within my league, I went undefeated. But then yeah. we, uh, I went to the uh, public school league. Mm-hmm. And uh, ah. I, I, put up, I put up a nice little third place. Um, so, I mean, whatever. But it, within my league, I went undefeated. You come <laughs> at the Sullivan and the Robinson, you have no chance, ICS. Yeah, All right, so we're we're uh, once we start throwing out local middle school, middle schools, we're narrowing our our, our listener base pretty quickly. Um, boys, I just got back from uh, from a little Key West trip. I had a nice uh, whoa, nice block. Whoa. Put your mask on, boys. I'll put my mask on. Sorry, I had a nice block of training leading into into my trip, and I completely undid all of my training uh, in just three short days. I consumed more margaritas and fish tacos than is probably you know what i thought was humanly possible so i would be concerned i'd be concerned if you came back and said i just got back from key west and had a great weekend of training i mean based on what uh the precedent set on this show from especially the gender brothers going on (laughs) trips there was zero chance of you getting any runs down there i yeah i mean i think the, the only thing better than the state I'm in where I'm like building up and feeling optimistic about where I'm at is just completely dismantling two months worth of training in one weekend. I mean, it, it's an impressive feat, but we managed to do it, you know, kind of on a, you know, probably two routine basis. But hey, Key West. Awesome. Little known island. Not many people know about it. You guys should check it out. All right, Mike, we got a we got a busy show today. So let's jump right into the running news. So this is going to be the first show in a while that we haven't started our running news with our boy Christian Coleman. Instead, we were going to start with a very important topic. So there is a two-mile road race that is sweeping the nation. You know, people are just chattering about it. People are getting very excited about it. No, it's not a 5K. No, it's not a five-mile or a 10K or a marathon or anything like that. This is two miles, and it's being put down by the Peak Too Early podcast, and I'll tell you what, guys, I heard about this thing and I heard about the, the championship prize of a just badass championship belt and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to roll. That's right. The prize for the peak too early, two miler, not the number two, T-O-O miler is two boxing style championship belts and it, and registration, well, there's not really a registration for this because you know what? This is a free race. All you need to do is buy one of our new fire t-shirts dropping on next Tuesday, the 14th. Is Tuesday the 14th? Let's look at the date here. Sure. I think it's something Tuesday like that. Tuesday the 14th. Oh, yeah. Tuesday, Tuesday the 14th. the 14th, our shirts are dropping online. So if you buy one of those shirts, you are automatically entered. We're limiting the entries to 150 runners. So – you got to get in. You got to get quick because it is going to fill up quick. I love the way you sold that, Steve. 
you sounded like one of those great people on, on an infomercial, right? Like a free race. All I have to do is buy a t-shirt. But I tell you what, these shirts are absolute fire. I mean, you guys have seen our, our new logo. We brought in like a real professional to do this logo. This wasn't, you know, me, Mike and Steve in somebody's uh, a living room trying to draw with Crayola crayons over here what the next logo should be. This thing looks like fire. You're going to look great. Um, you're just going to be the coolest person running in your little running group with that on. So I do love Steve's marketing there, but I, I do think it's an important distinction, right? Because usually you're paying for a race and you get a t-shirt and that concept has always been a little crazy to me, right? Like, Oh, I'm gonna have to pay to run a 5k. Doesn't that seem crazy? And then I get a free t-shirt with it. No, you should pay for the valuable thing, the t-shirt. That's a badass t-shirt. And then if you buy, buy the t-shirt, you don't have to run. I, I don't, I don't care if you run, but then you get entered to join this sick, badass two miler only have to run two miles. And like we've talked about it and we're going to keep talking about it. The after party is just going to be insane. It's going to be the best virtual after party you've ever had. And all of your running will be dismantled when you're done with that after party. Cause it's going to be amazing. Yep. So we're going to do a virtual after party. So if you enter to run your, you get an invite to our virtual after party, we'll do it on zoom. So we'll hang out. We'll have a good time. I think we're going to try to cut up a video. So we're going to encourage people to submit videos, pictures. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. And guys, like we said, none of this metric two mile bull crap. Okay. We're doing Massachusetts high school rules. You got to run a full two miles or else it doesn't count. I'm going to be honest, guys. I don't even know where to start on a track if I have to do a two-mile run and I do it on the track. I mean, I'm going to first have to go out with the little wheelie thing and roll out two miles exactly and then draw with chalk where to start. Is is there a two-mile start on most tracks? Buddy, buddy, come on. Are we, are we being serious here? Let's go figure it out. You, you ran college track. Like, the track is laid out to be able – to manage this pretty easily, but apparently the only people in the world who know how to understand the lines on a the track, these lines on the track aren't just like arbitrary things zigzagging all over the place. They have meaning. They have meaning. And there's a two mile line for you on the track that we'll, we'll gladly point out for you, Trent. I didn't we'll need to be belittled. You know, it was a real question. Don't <laughs> worry. We, it was a terrible question. I don't know what to tell you. All right. Keep an eye so, out for that, guys. On Tuesday, sure. re registration's going up. Join us. It's going to be a ton of fun. All right. So we do have a couple of legitimate news stories going this week. And, of course, we're going to get right into it with a little riding dirty, a little bit more whereabouts stuff, a little bit more a missed test because we just love it. Our guy, Wilson Kipsang. So we talked about him before. Just one of the greatest marathoners of all time. He, he had his little whereabouts failures. He got suspended for four years. And then there's a whole lot to the story, but basically he came up with these excuses and tried to appeal. And it just came out pretty clearly that he was blatantly lying about his appeals. Like he said, the, the excuses he gave was like one, like he got caught in like a landslide and that's why he missed it. And the other one was a truck flipped over on the highway and he like, I guess he sent a picture of the truck flipped over and they did some weird like image reversal or whatever. And that picture was like from Google and it happened like four months after he supposedly missed his test. So he clearly got caught in a lie. 
And then he goes on this, you know, kind of video where he's explaining where AAIU is out to get him and just straight up retires from the sport of running right there after talking about it. And I got to say, guys, I mean, he sounds innocent to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) He sounds good. I mean, free Kip's sake. Freedom. The AIU stinks. I hate him. Let's go. I I wanted to be on that team real hard, right? <laughs> we're we're on a whereabouts failure streak right now. This is like three weeks in a row. We've got a big time athlete that's been busted for the whereabouts failure for the, the fourth whereabouts failure. And I wanted to be like, screw the AIU, these these secret, you know, people showing up trying to steal drug tests from people and screw people over. But the excuses were pretty rough. And it just, it seems like there's no chance that Kipson was, was being honest. But however, however, perhaps he wasn't actually doing drugs. Kipson's got some issues going on right now. I don't know if you guys watched that, that video, but I guess he was like pretty drunk on television was what people were saying. I didn't even realize at first what all the comments went were saying that. And then I rewatched it and he was needed like, he was like leaning on somebody and, and people in his camp, I guess, are telling him not to do the interview. So I don't even know if he was doing drugs or he just needed an excuse because he was off like, you know, just shenanigans that, that Kipson's getting into these days. So he's definitely got some some personal issues going was, on right was now. Was Kipson the one who got in trouble for like being out yeah. at a bar during yeah. COVID? Oh, snap. You're right, Trent. Maybe there's something else going on here. Dude yep. just loves to party. I love it. But yeah, I mean, okay. So obviously, obviously I'm kidding. It would be kind of funny if after all the flack we got for Coleman, we just came out in like, hardcore you know representing kip saying actually it would be even funnier probably if we came out like super against him and like supported the iau he seems pretty guilty to me and you know i think him retiring is like yeah i got caught in a lie and now i'm gonna retire to you know brush it off but it still doesn't change my views on the iau i still think it's the the system we have going on is just is wild and and can be changed and needs to be changed um yeah so that's where i'm at with it yeah, my my first when I when I first saw that video, my instinct was like, well, I actually did it. I went and I was like, okay, if we're if we're on the if we're putting ourselves out there for Coleman, we're fighting to the death for our guy, fastest man in the world. We got to put up a small fight for for Kip saying, and it became very obvious very quickly that he was lying. And then that video, yeah, you know if if he does have a problem, if there's something going on, I hope he gets help. I hope he gets to take care of it. But it was a funny video where he's just like, screw it. I'm retiring. Screw you guys. I'm out. Uh, it was just kind of like a mic drop moment. It was the classic, like, you can't fire me. I quit. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> he just quit first. I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah. All right. So next up on the docket here, this past weekend on the 4th of July, which I actually love and I hope becomes the new tradition. We had the beer mile world classic. They had to do it virtually. So people had to you know, submit their, their races online and they put together this compilation and aired it on let's run. And first of all, I got to say, I thought the coverage of it was really good really good i thought it was just the right amount of funny they played into the beer mile and kept it entertaining and then they had you know the four boxes where you could it kind of looks like these guys were actually racing each other and they were able to pull on different things they had commentators that kept it entertaining and kept you engaged in it but also were funny i don't know i just as from all the coverage we've seen of all the the online virtual stuff so far i mean this might have been the best one we've seen so far and then on top of that, our guy, Chris Robertson, throws down a 
wild time of 438 comes two seconds away from the world record in the beer mile throws down a sick american record winning the world championship and another american ali grace morgan shattering the woman's beer mile world record so we had two individual champions from the u.s and two team champions from the u.s on the fourth of july america dominated i mean it was just a great day a great day to be alive you know there there's nothing in sports i love more than when an athlete is competing at a level that naturally they shouldn't be competing at right and we've had a bunch of beer milers on the podcast and the beer mile is it's actually athletically it's a very difficult feat you have to run at a pace and drink at a pace that is painful that people should not be able to do and you know Corey bellamore has run some times that you know makes your jaw drop and be like how is a human capable of that but then you look at his body of work and he's you know Canada's best, best mid-distance runner. You know, he's, a, he's, a, he's an Olympic hopeful. He's just, he's just an amazing natural athlete. Then you get a guy like Chris Robertson, who's just a scrappy guy, didn't run in college. He's just found his niche he, that he's really good at this, this beer mile thing. And he's just out there grinding, just, you know, best in his personal best year after year. And he breaks that 440 mark, gets down to 438. You know, something that I didn't think was possible by somebody who wasn't a runner. I thought the, the only types of athletes or, or runners that were going to be able to get down to that level were essentially Olympic athletes that also happen to be really good at drinking. But Chris Robertson comes out, pulls it off a time that I didn't think was, I didn't think he was capable of. So um, congratulations, Chris. That's unbelievable. And if I got it right, that was his third attempt at it, right? Yeah. So he, he just kept at it. I mean, that makes it all the more likable and all the more exciting was, I think his first one was in the mid forties. His next one was in the low forties. And then he gets under that, that 440 mark. Um, just incredible team USA. Where was Canada? You know, they've been dominating the sport. It just took a little bit of effort from team USA to get, to get a little more focus on the beer mile. And here we go, Mike, I want to echo your point about the coverage. And I think that's something that the other virtual races out there could learn from when you have people running at different areas by not doing it just like live by being able to take the videos and actually do a professional editing job, you can get rid of a lot of the issues that plague some of the other virtual races that were out there. And I think it's something that some of the big time races could, could follow suit with. If, if it's just this race where there's no fans, right. And people are on other sides of the country or other sides of the globe, we don't need to necessarily have everything broadcast live. We could do it, you know, pretend, just just market the event like it's occurring on one day and have the athletes run, you know, earlier in that day or the day before or a few days before. Get the person, you know, the editor in there, the producer, um, get, get the, the pro flow of that track meet and put together an actual, uh, you know, high class quality piece of content because it was, it was very enjoyable to watch. Some of these other things that we've watched are a little tough. This one was, it was, it was just so smooth. I mean, I mean, to an extent, right? People are videotaping themselves running around a track and some of the video is not great. Um, you know, we have to accept that at this point. But, you know, overall, I was really impressed by it. it it's a great point, Trent. Like, like you said, you can, and, and it, it allows you, it gives you a chance to kind of like think about the production value and the commentating and like make sure you're prepared for it and what, and what you're doing. So I think that's a huge point and you can like you said advertise it 
you know, they did a great job saying like this starts at one o'clock and where you could go back and watch the video at another time, it dropped at one o'clock. And I felt like I was watching it live. Like I was live texting with our guy, Lewis Kent. I was actually talking to Chris Robertson while it was going on messaging back and forth. Like I would be if I was watching like a Patriots game and we were kind of sharing ideas back and forth, like, Oh, this is cool. Like, Oh, he's going to get it. She's going to do it type of thing. So that was cool. I do want to shout out, um, Allie Morgan too, because same thing in the boat that you were talking about, Steve, where like, you know, not the, she's not breaking any like mile world records. She's just a, a badass runner who now is the best <laughs> ever do it. And she's made a couple world records at attempts before she, uh, I know her last one was like on pace for it and had a wait for it, a reversal, which apparently in the, in, in beer mile terms is what you, you call yuking a reversal. So she was pretty close to doing it once before. She finally got the world record. So she's a badass. I'm hoping we can get her on at some point to kind of to, to chat about that. But going back to our guy, Chris, so I was talking to him afterwards. And I guess he was saying that his running hasn't been going as well as he thought it was. And he was kind of surprised himself. Like you said, he did the first two and he felt smooth. The time just wasn't there. And he said on that third one, he said the repetition of doing it over and over again and chugging multiple times that week he it became easier and easier for him and he told me straight up he said I think I'm capable of getting 432 so in the past he's told us on the podcast that he wasn't sure if he had a chance to get the world record and I still think that Corey Bellamore you know is capable of going faster than that but we have a chance here that I Chris Robertson straight up said it and I believe him and 432 I mean if he genuinely believes that he can do that and he's going to take an attempt at it over the next couple months he says if he can do that I mean even for Bellamore that is no joke right I mean that is very very difficult so I'll be looking out for it and I hope he gets that that would be un- that'd be unbelievable yeah. that'd that's be what he said that's what he said he's he's following the Mike Gendron tactic right? <laughs> just do more beer miles yeah Maybe dude that's what it's all day. about you inspired potentially the future world record holder Mike congratulations that's right. You better believe it. All right. The last one we're going to talk about here. Um, there was a couple track meets that went on this weekend and the kind of virtual stuff. But the one I want to talk about is called the Big Friendly. And, you know, is the kind of the Oregon guys and some of the Nike guys going at it. Specifically, I want to talk about Donovan Brazier. He dropped a 335 in the 1500. And 335 is obviously like a great time. But if you watched the way that this guy did it, holy crap i mean he was just kind of like hanging with these guys the whole time kind of running the race doing the thing and then when he decided that he was like all right i'm gonna like win this thing it was like 250 300 meters to go maybe and he just blasted away from them and it was so freaking easy for him so ridiculously smooth i was watching this guy and 335 looked insanely easy insanely easy donovan brazier is i am so interested to see what this guy is capable of because for me right now the sky is the limit for this guy 100 percent. and mike that was my first takeaway from this and not only that when he decided to turn it on and go and dust the other runners out there he was able to do it but then he crosses the line with a 335 1500 meters and then he just walks on the infield like nothing happened, right? Craig was out there grinding. He ran a, he ran a 147, 146, 800. 
yep. something like that. Which and, which and, which Brazier paced him to. Yes, right after which Brazier paced him to. And and Craig was like, you know, he looked like he just ran a a one forty seven eight hundred. He was like tired, and he was like breathing heavy. Donovan Brazier just walked off the track into the infield, and it looked like he didn't even just work. He didn't even look like he ran. I was just like, what? What is this guy like? He he's got like different DNA than everybody. He's he's. I'm very excited, and I and and watching that, Mike, because when we when the Olympics first got pushed back, we were questioning who this was going to help and who it was going to hurt, and we all said that this hurts Donovan Brazier because he was ready to go. This made me feel like another year we are going to see some of the most impressive times we've ever seen in American run. The, the way he finished that 15 made me think he could pick any event from 200 to 10k and he would have the close there right like when you're an 800 runner you're not supposed to have that much of a close you know after three laps of or two and a half laps of a a 1500 um but but he had it no problem and it made me think he could just keep stretching it out i know uh, that's getting a little um you know that's assuming there right and he's he's gonna be 800 he's gonna dominate that but the guy the guy's got a runway one of my biggest takeaways from this is can we please just just rename the Nike Oregon project and let's, I, I don't want to call it the, the Pete Julian team anymore. Yeah. We like, we, they literally refer to it as Pete Julian's like club. Like that's yeah. what they call it. It's ridiculous. I mean, like let's, let's get a name because before, <laughs> I mean, obviously before Salazar ruined it, you know, it had the coolest logo, you know, it, you know, it had a little bit of the stigma, but the Nike Oregon project was kind of a cool name Let's rename the club. Can we please rename the club? Let's let's get a badass logo. Can we get there already? I mean, it's been long enough. I couldn't agree more. And it just perpetuates what we kind of talk about where there's not enough like team. The teams don't matter enough in this sport, right? Like it's a training group. It's, it's the, the jersey that they wear and, you know, the coach that they run for. But there's no like team. There's not enough team identity where these guys are going after each other, creating rivalries. And the, the teams don't matter enough. And we're you know, the most badass club in, in the sport, maybe outside like the Bowerman track club doesn't even have an identity, right? now. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's insane. Maybe some peak to e listeners can throw hey. some ideas that way. And maybe we can talk about them on the next pod and throw one out to, uh, to Pete Julian. Well, I'd Ooh, say we have a, 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 I have an idea for a cool logo. They might want to throw on there. Yeah. Their let's get a little collab. Let's go. The, uh, the, <laughs> The, the the peak too early uh the peak too early project brought to you by Pete Julian. Ooh, the peak too early project would be P2E sick. by PJ. Yeah. Oh my god. That's great. Clip that it. flow. We gotta send that to, to Craig tonight. Yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. And the last news story we can quickly hit on here. Um, you know, it, it's not surprising, but it's just another domino to fall. The Ivy League came out today and the entire fall sports for Ivy League is is done. It, they're not doing it. They said they're not going to have any sports until January 1st. So, I mean, that's a big one. That's a big chip to fall right there. So, it is what it is. We, we knew it was coming, and it's not a surprise, but it's just another, you know, chapter in the saga of coronavirus, and we're never going to run ever. To be, to be a little, little glass half full, right, um, as sure. we talked about earlier in the show. I like this move. Because it's admitting defeat for just this season. How come other programs are cutting the entire team, right? We've had a lot of schools that we've talked about just cutting their program for cross country. Perhaps we can be a little optimistic and think 
think things will come back to normal. Say, you know, cross country is not happening this year. Uh, maybe we can get it rolling again next year. So I was a little bit encouraged in that way, rather than seeing more Ivy League teams make the decision to cut cross country. Sure. I, I mean, I, I guess I see what you're saying, where if we know cross country is not going to happen anyways, it's demoralizing when it, when they you know, it happens one by one and then cross country programs get cut one by one and it's kind of the slow burn. It might just be better if we just, the NCAA comes out at this point and just ends it. You know what I mean? It just ends our pain and at least we know what we're getting ourselves into because that's where we're heading. I mean, it's just, cross country is not going to happen. It's just not. Ugh. I think you're right. <laughs> I, mean, I don't, even, it's I don't not. even have any comments to that. I mean, all right, fine. They're going to take away cross country. It's going to suck. Whatever fine but i swear to god if they take away nfl football i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> i don't know i don't know what i'm gonna do with myself yeah i mean the nfl is a, a different animal than the ncaa right i mean i'm holding out hope I, I i we said at the at the top of the podcast you wanted me to be optimistic mike so i'm gonna be optimistic mike and say that i still think that that's a possibility but with ncaa cross country and kids not even going back to school and i was talking to you know someone who has some pretty inside knowledge on the uh you know, NCAA workings today. And she was telling me that, you know, if kids are not going to, if they're going to school virtually, they cannot compete in athletics. That is what, that is the standard that is being set at this point. And I think there's going to be a handful of schools that that's going to be the reality. So, I mean, if you have different situations at different schools and we can't all get on the same page here, how can we possibly have a cross country season? But you know what we will have? What's that? We'll have the P2E virtual two-miler. That's what we'll have. Hell yeah. At the end of the day, that's what we have. That's what we have. All right, boys, let's get into our interview. I'm really excited to talk to him. We got three-time NCAA national champion, two-time Olympian, Andrew Weeding. Let's talk. I'm coming home to the place that I remember, back to the land of my first love. Thank you so much for making some time to uh, to chat with us tonight. So, uh, so how are you handling handling retired life? Oh man, it's been great. I'm enjoying it. You know. Cheers. Uh, cheers, fellas. There you go. It's uh, no man. It's been uh, it's it's funny. You, you you wear the Olympian title, and immediately everyone assumes you're this superhero runner for the rest of your life. So, like every day that I've been retired, I've gotten like a second slower. And I don't know what the math is on that, but it's it's fat and slow. So like anytime I'm talking to a kid and they're like, Oh, you, you're a runner, you're Olympian. Oh my God. How fast is your mile? Can you run a race? I'm like, no, I don't want to race. Like that's, that's fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so that, I mean, that's like something I worry about because I, you know, ran, we all ran uh, college D2 and then right after immediately pretty much like stopped racing for a while. And now like, I don't really want to race anymore because I'm afraid my, my, you know, times won't be what they used to be and up to my standards. I'm sure for you, it's even more extreme. Now that you're retired, do you have any desire even to just go to like a charity 5k? Because you know what you're capable of, right? Like, even if you're smashing everybody by two minutes, it's like, I mean, I don't know. Like, does that? (laughs) No, I have zero. No. So it's funny. My girlfriend is like real into half marathons and marathons. And she's like asking me to go run with her and train with her. And I'm like, no, because A, I'm, I'm partially writing your, your program, and B, I know for a fact that I think you're probably faster than I am at this point, so 
I'm gonna let you go. Um, and it's funny because we had a company like like fun like two three mile run run, and like half the employees took it kind of race style, and the other half took it as kind of a fun stay in shape style. And everyone looked at me like, how's he going to take it? And, you know, when you're in that situation, you got one of two routes you can go. It's like, be very serious and just, you know, to the tank. How much do you got left? Go for first or the, I don't give two shits, I'm done. So I went to the, went to the full extreme because I'm stubbornly competitive. And, right. oh, my God, I was, I was wrecked. I was absolutely wrecked for the next three, three, three four days. <laughs> that's like uh that's like the high school mile for like the stud track runners right at gym class and and the gym teacher wants the stud to go out super hard and you're just like come on man it's gym class i don't want to actually race out here i don't know if you guys can relate to that but i remember getting a yelling at from my gym teacher for running oh, like eight training with the stud. Mile. no it was more like that was oh, okay. letting you know half the class beat me so but i i did i did listen to uh i i heard a i heard an interview that you did shortly after retirement where you were talking about how when you're running and when you're running fast, runners should, should spend more time or appreciate and respect the times that they've run more. Because when you're in it, you just think, I'm going to be able to do this forever. And then a time comes and then you, you get very far away from that and you realize that you can't do that. And I'm in that mode because when I was running a little bit faster, I thought I could run that time forever and I was going to slowly get better. Now I can't come anywhere close to it. Oh, yeah. No, it's um, the, reason, well, the reason I said that because uh, I ran you know, at 330 and uh i just was like okay i mean 330 that's the bar i mean i'm not gonna run slower than 334 for the rest of my life and you know i suddenly realized how good 334 was and then how amazing 330 was and i didn't respect it when i had it when i had that fitness and with every year that went by i was like god i i really should have like maybe one less shot at the bar one less beer with the boys like maybe should have just respected what i'd done a bit more and taken that training a little bit more seriously because yeah when you get to that point and you start looking back like man what what i i had it it was there and i just kind of took it for granted and so yeah i was uh talking to a few a couple buddies and it's just like hey man actually it was with clayton murphy i sat him down i was like look man you just won an olympic medal you run 142 and you, you, you've won all of the US, USA's and trials, and just, you've had this hell of a year. Um, I just want you to be aware of how legit that is and how you need to take this seriously, because uh, I don't want you to end up four years from now wondering why or how or what happened uh, and wishing you could have been better about yourself, because that's what ended up happening with me. Did, if, for sure. Like, I, I get that. Um, but is, is there also, like, a part of you that, you know, appreciates, you know, the, the badass culture of, you know, maybe you were going out there partying and smoking people on the track and like you enjoyed your time in the sport, right? Like you, you made the most of your glory years. Is there any part of you that like still appreciates that part of it? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, mean, you got to, you got to, like, you know, you look back wondering what if, but you gotta, you gotta try not to do that. And so obviously there's, there's a part of that every athlete has that like, what if, what if, what if, and if you live in the what ifs, you're never going to be happy with what did happen. Uh, and so, yeah, I'd look back like, you know, after Monaco going out and having a few beers or like going to Vegas every now and then, you know, like doing these fun little like one-off trips and really celebrating in the moment. Um, 
yeah, dude, there were, there were some good times in there for sure. The, uh, the mentoring that you gave to Clayton, did you have anybody like that when you were, you know, in your, your prime, someone a little bit older, a little bit more experienced, um, that tried to kind of hammer home to you to, uh, appreciate the moment or any kind of training techniques, that sort of thing? Um, no, not really. I mean, there were a lot of people who I kind of looked at as mentors, but I think, um, like nobody really like just struck success so quick and then kind of with every year kind of slowly disappeared. Um, and I mean, that's just, I mean, it sounds really bad. It's, it's, it's my career, but whatever. So like it was one of those moments where I was like, you know, I, I don't want to see that happen to another athlete. I want someone to like, really, I want him to really be proud of what he's got and like, don't forget that this is a very difficult accomplishment. Uh, because I forgot it was a difficult accomplishment until like a year or two later. And I was like, God, and then the question gets brought up. Hey, are you, were you still a three thirty guy? And I'm like two years out from when having done it. I'm like, God damn. And it's just, that starts to sting. So I just didn't want that happening. But you never know, right? Like if you change your approach and you tighten up and, and you, and you're just having less fun with it, you may have never had those accomplishments in the first, in the first place. You know, that could just be part of your person, your personality and your approach to sport. Like I, I'm a fan, like I, I really like uh, Bodie Miller's approach to the sport, right? People always got so pissed at him because he never, he never focused, he never buckled down, but he always says like, Hey, if I didn't, if I wasn't out at the bar having some fun, I wouldn't have been the same type of racer. I wouldn't have been able to like go 100% at everything in my life. And I think part of it too, is that track and field is a sport. You can't do 98% focused like you need to be a hundred percent kind of like, focused on every little thing well i guess that's not entirely true i guess uh health wise you need to be a hundred percent healthy to get the most out of your your performance um i think you get more out of that than you do at 90 percent, for instance so if, if if you're if you're slacking a little bit in the health department then your performance shows it and for me i started kind of worrying more and more because i dealt with so many damn injuries so it's like one little thing next to another thing and then you start getting hung up on your health and it, this sport requires that intense like hyper focus uh and the more serious you take it i think in some regards i i feel like i'm kind of contradicting myself but in some regards the more serious you can you take it uh the the more the better your results can show um man that's really damn i can't believe i just said that i feel like my whole life. <laughs> My whole life has been like, don't take shit too seriously. And now I'm like, damn, disregard all that. Cause I was running my best when I didn't even think about what I was doing. Obviously you're a two time Olympian. Right. And I mean, I could sit here and pick your brain for, you know, hours and hours on end about one Olympics, but two Olympics is, is insane to me. So I guess like the, the one question on that I wanted to, to know about is what, what changes from, the first time you go there. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm sure that experience is mind blowing and like, what the hell am I doing here? What changes from that experience to when you go the second time? Like how, how does that adjustment happen and is it different or is it still just as mind blowing the second time you go? I think a lot of it depends on the circumstances. Uh, for, yeah, I, I made it when I was a 20 year old kid who barely understood the sport. Uh, and so, yeah, naturally walking into the Olympic village and seeing like a Roger Federer or, you know, LeBron James or Kobe Bryant, like these iconic, like sports icons, just casually strolling around, obviously like, you know, a clutter of people around them. It was just jaw dropping. Uh, and 
every step I wanted to take a photo of something. Like every block I wanted to stop and kind of think, whoa, let's take a look at that. Um, so 08 was just this like wide-eyed kid kind of feeling. Um, but then, you know, expectation plays a role. So uh, you get through 08, I got through 08 and it was just this fun thing. And then 2012 comes around and, you know, it's it's a different different experience. And so the expectation, you're a pro athlete, like now you're supposed to be there, you're being paid to be there. Like it's a very different perspective. Like I didn't do the opening ceremonies in London. Like I was dealing with a foot injury. Uh, I was so focused on performance. Um, and so yeah, that, that hyper attentiveness kind of took over um, and it kind of didn't ruin the experience, but it just had, it just had a very different focus. So, but going when you're 20 and going when you're 24, I mean, you're, you're 20 years old in the U S and you're like, you know, figuring out how to drink, for instance, when you're 24, <laughs> like, you're going over there, like, all right, where the bar is at. I know how this works. Yeah. I want to friggin' long Island. Let's freaking go. You know, so a very different perspective. Sure. Yeah. And that, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. Right. So I got my serious Olympic question out there. Now it's like, you know, we expect as you know, fans of the sport that you guys are going down there and it's all business all the time. And it's the freaking Olympics. Right. But there's got to be right. There's got to be some like amazing stories and just once you're done your events, like shenanigans that gets into it, please, at, at least if you can tell the stories, that's great. If not, just at least let me know that that stuff happens. Because I, I, for me personally, I need to know that you guys down there just get after it at the Olympics. <laughs> uh, um, hey, man, I was a professional athlete. I took my, my life very seriously. I definitely did not go to the clubs. I definitely did not see Ryan Lochte partying on a dance floor yeah. in London. All right? And I definitely did not gallivant out there to try and high five him okay that didn't happen because i was very focused on my performance just yeah, so we're all that, that was his thing right cha right yeah cheer, cheer. Cheer, cheer. i always felt bad for the athletes whose events were like the day of the closing ceremonies the day before the closing ceremonies and thinking they had to keep themselves like very straight laced that entire week and you have the, the few athletes that are done by day two and then many just have this week of just you know, <laughs> I don't even, I mean, you can tell us, Andrew, like you just have this. Weird, <laughs> yeah, man, it was, uh, it was quite a ride. Um, I, I always envied kind of the swimmers cause yeah, they're usually like the first week or two, uh, week and a half and then they're done. And while then we all ramp up and go. Um, and so, yeah, it's fun. Cause there's a, a McDonald's in like the Olympic village. It's like all free food and everything. Um, and when you get there, it's usually pretty empty. Because you know no one's gonna eat McDonald's with their competition, except maybe you see a couple throwers over there and they're just you know bulking up because that's what they do. But uh, by like day three or four, you're seeing a couple more people out there. You know, day ten, it's just lines that just roll out. And then by like the day before, everyone's bum rushing this McDonald's. Like four years of stress is just being piled off into like a chicken McNugget and all this stuff. Like, yeah, it's wild. <laughs> I just want to live one. I said, always said in college, I want to go to one meet like a thrower, right? Just go there without a care in the world, eat whatever the hell you want, just kind of relax. And you go out there, you throw your shot, put it wherever you got to throw, and you just hang out the rest of the time. Instead, I'm just a nervous wreck being like, oh man, I got to put myself through 5,000 meters of pain. This is brutal. Well, I mean, they get three attempts, right? Or, per, <laughs> or three or four attempts, whatever, is to chuck this heavy weight. Like we get one shot to run X distance, 
And if it doesn't work, it, you're screwed. You have no do over. So it's obviously we're hyper, hyper wired, you know? But yeah, yeah shoot. You, I was thinking, we were talking about this for like a, a vent concept. It's like, what if we had like, uh, like, like the shot putters, you know, like we had like three attempts at one race in a meet where the first, everybody runs, but you have to, to gauge your effort per attempt. So like the first, at first round ones is like, it's at, I say four o'clock and then round two is at like five o'clock round three is at six o'clock and you have to gauge how much effort you want to put into like an 800 and then who knows see maybe you get a good good result you jog it or you don't whatever so but at least that way you're not stressing over the first one maybe you get a second shot yeah. oh, so you're you're, you're still now that you're retired you're still in the industry you're still in the running world so can you just tell the listeners like what you're up to today Sure. Um, yeah, I work for a company called On Running. It's a Swiss shoe shoe apparel company out of Zurich, Switzerland. Um, I work in the sports marketing industry there, and uh, it, I scout and sign and uh, sponsor uh, athletes. So um, yeah, we we given we give the the collegiate kid the opportunity to to run professionally. Sick. Do, do you want to announce here on the podcast any of the uh, the athletes that you signed this uh, this off season? Um, I mean, I really should. <laughs> Uh, but I feel like I really, I can do it. All right. All right. His name, I, Mike Gendron is, ah, this, ah, got him. <laughs> Sponsored athlete, Mike, congratulations. I, 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 I gotta be honest with you. I was like, you played that pretty good. I was like, there's 0% chance of this happening going into the question. And then you, you tickled me a little bit there. You had me going, you had me going. <laughs> hey, no worries, guys. You know, I got to keep it, keep it fun. <laughs> so I actually kind of going off of that, uh, leading up to this, I was listening to some of your interviews and reading some stuff on you. And you were talking about one thing in an interview you had where you were kind of delving into your motivations in the sport and how kind of the personal stuff, like the world records and, and meddling and stuff was never really kind of what got you going and it was more the team aspect of it right like being around a team and you know fighting for your team is, is what you were all about and I think that's something that we can all relate to that is something that we've talked about extensively and that is what makes this sport a great thing and I guess I I feel like that is something we need more of in professional running like we don't have a a, a forum where teams really have an identity and go after each other and there's no like professional league is there something that we can do as a sport because you've said that as an athlete that is what motivated you the most and as fans that is what we would love to see so like what what are we missing here like what what can we do to create this environment where teams are racing each other and that environment is created um, you know, that's tough. Uh, they, they tried that a couple of years back um, with the summer series. Right. Uh, and it was, I mean, there was, it was potential, but uh, it was, it was a tough sell because you have to pitch it to people who don't really understand track, that there's a team element and like they need to educate the team and the tracks side of it. And so, but uh, I mean, getting the athletes involved is, is more of, uh the paycheck side of it so getting athletes on the track to compete for for a team reason it, it sadly comes down to how much money can they win uh and i think it takes a specific like a type of athlete uh in the professional level at least uh to to chase team points like that because you know a, a team is, is isn't just putting people under an umbrella 
and saying that you're a team. It's like years of built up like camaraderie and goofy stories and slapping people in the ass with a towel. Like that's, that's the stuff that builds a team, you know? Like, and so I, it's tough to find that level of like connection uh, at the pro level, especially throughout all the events. Uh, Cause you know, it just doesn't exist. Like even it's like, even at the Oregon track club, I got, I, I had great teammates, but uh, it took a few years for me to really kind of connect with them all. Uh, and then suddenly I, what was, you know, what's, what's the prize if we do it? Like, what makes the juice worth the squeeze? So after, you know, you find that event, you say, okay, I'm going to do this for OTC because I want to have a national title for a team. That might be something different. Like if you do like the club teams, like having Oregon track club as the club that won, that'd be, that'd be something I'd work you. I would like to chase. I'd chase for sure. Um, but it, it's, it's tough just putting people under an umbrella and telling the New York team, you know? Well, let me take you back to 2010 on that note where you're, you're competing in the national championship, the 1500 meters, and you come across the line as a national champion and you got your teammate Acosta followed by central right behind him. It's an Oregon sweep. I mean, as a collegiate runner, I can't think of anything cooler than winning a national title. What would come close to that is standing on the podium with two of my teammates. That's got to be, the coolest feeling in the world oh my god man yes like you, you just described it that's it man like oh god uh you know winning that the eight was great uh but that 15 like standing next to my two buddies like these are guys i did workouts with i partied with i hung out with for three plus years like like these these are friends i i, I don't know sharing that title i i remember telling them before the race too i was like look i'm if i'm losing i'm losing to a yellow jersey and i think you know that was it and I would have been happy finishing third, second, whatever. But, you know, winning it with the two of them. Yeah, can you imagine, like, going one, two, three, four, you four winning a race all together? Like, that's, that's winning, man. Like, that's the fullest embodiment of winning to me. Hell, yeah. And, I mean, if, I, I think if we, we think about, like, what our motivation for this podcast is, I mean, we want to grow the sport. But I think the thing that we missed most about running was hanging out in the locker room and just, you know, like bullshitting with your boys, you know, and I think we get on this and we get to talk about running, you know, we're, we're still involved in the sport, but mostly this is, you know, this is like being in the locker room. We're, we're just bullshitting with our, with our teammates, you know? Oh, hell yeah. So who, who's the guy who's like, uh, who's the, the butt of the jokes most of the time? Ooh, recently. It depends what the joke is. Probably me. <laughs> <laughs> We're being serious here. That he's he. That's my uh, up in the Steve up in the top corner. There's my brother. So being a little brother, you know, I feel like you know I get that just right off the bat. And then uh, Trent's got an ego, you know, the size of his mustache there. So and I end up fifth year on Mike. So. <laughs> now is this does this the video you guys put out? Like, I know it's a podcast, but did people get to see the video? We, yeah, we'll we'll share it in like our Instagram and stuff like that. Yeah, different different clips and different you know, clips. Stuff like yeah, that. yeah. We'll, so now we'll clip the part where you you announce Mike as a sponsored athlete for sure. Yeah, yeah. That, no, that'll no, be no. a good Instagram. That one, that <laughs> one, I'm gonna, that one, I'm gonna rip, and we're just gonna play it, you saying that over and over and over again. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, gonna get a, I'm gonna get a call from my manager and be like, "You didn't actually." <laughs> I know. I feel like I feel like because you offered, I feel like that was a formal offer. Like, where's my paycheck? Yeah, I feel like well, hey, I, that should yeah, be right. in the mail. What's your worth? I mean, I state your terms. I'm here. I'm, I'm ready to listen. I'll take anything. <laughs> I, you, you, sh- you shouldn't expect much from me. If you're looking for, you know, uh, uh, 1845, 
five K right now. I mean, if I can even do that right now, I'd be pretty <laughs> proud of myself. So yeah, I mean, we got to have a tryout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe. <laughs> so, so I guess before we kind of wrap this up, I do want, we, we kind of touched on a little bit about like what, you know, what are some of the ideas we could grow sport? I mean, Mike kind of talked about the team aspect, but is there anything that comes to your mind as like an easy fix, something that we can do to, to, to push the sport forward right now? I honestly it's a million, million dollar question, right? Yeah, right. Isn't that what everyone's trying to figure out? Uh, for, I think the hardest part is educating your audience. Uh, you, how do you get a stadium of football fans to care about running? Uh, and, you know, I don't know. I think you got to take out the time aspect of it and make it about winning and losing because everybody understands what it means to win and what it means to lose. And then, the prize can't be, I mean, running 330, like telling the audience, this guy's going for an American record in 330, like that, okay, is that fast? Uh, I, I, whatever, you know? So American record is 329, actually, whatever. But, uh, but it's like, you got, you got to make the prize relatable to some degree. So it's like, you know, a fat stack of money or like do it like the World Series of Poker where, you know, this marquee race and beautiful girls come out holding this big platter of <laughs> cash. And I don't know, it's like make it some sort of relatable entertainment uh, to, to your audience. Um, but I, there was, when they did the Australian, that Australian mile where the last guy dropped out every lap, I thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. Really Very cool. cool. Yeah. yeah and I also, nation mile. There you go. And I also thought, like, taking like a 5k for instance or maybe it's like an off event maybe it's say make it about laps say maybe it's like 10 laps like don't even make it about a distance and say all right 10 laps and at lap the first one to cross lap two gets 500 bucks the first one to cross lap four gets 800 bucks each lap it's about more money you give out and like that's that's something if you don't really know track you're like hey 10 laps i know that i know money I go, okay, I'd like to see people like chomping at the bit to get money and then shoot, just see what happens. The other idea I had, this is what I was trying to find. Okay, sorry, my memory is not great. I think, <laughs> um, the other idea I had was um, raffle off a lane in a race because nobody understands what it means to run 10 seconds. So uh, shoot, one through seven is your pro elite team, right? You know, they all run whatever and say, that it's always funny because the guy who finishes last in like 10-1, everyone's like, whoa, that guy sucks. It's like, no, we don't like well, 10 ones pretty damn fast. Raffle off lane eight to Joe Schmo in the audience, right? Pull him out. And he's like, all right, you got one hour to warm up. Oh, hell yeah. Let me just tuck my gut in. I got this. No problem. <laughs> like he comes out. All right. Gun goes off. They all take off running and Joe like gets whooped and runs, I don't know, let's say 14 or 15 seconds, you know, whatever. And everyone can physically see the difference in what fast and slow is, you know, instead of seeing seventh place in 10, one and thinking that guy sucks, they see seventh place in 10, one, and then Joe three, four seconds behind him. Well, he doesn't suck that much anymore after seeing that, you know, make it, yeah. it make it comparable. That is, we, we've thrown out a lot of ideas in here, right? We we've gone crazy. We ask a lot of our guests to throw out ideas. Most of our center around like creating a, you know, gambling environment, get, get, <laughs> A drinking environment going but i actually love that idea right because what that creates is you know if you throw out a a 5k time or even a mile time to the average person they don't care they don't know what that means that can't relate but when you go to like a local 5k 
and there's one kid who's like a stud and smokes everybody by like two minutes people are like, wow that kid's that kid's super fast in reality right like he might just be you know an okay runner but when they see that gap and they they seem smash them it's like wow that you know that's 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 wild that kid must be nasty so by creating like a you know your baseline of okay this is the average person this is what we're doing it, mm-hmm. i think that blows people's mind right it's like holy crap these guys are the most insane athletes i've ever seen in my entire life i that, that's phenomenal idea well then because it's like it's the same thing like think of uh, your nfl players like your audience in there is just screaming about how shitty every player is like, that guy sucks <laughs> that coach doesn't know what he's doing and suddenly everybody's a world-class football coach but like pull them out and put them on the field and like suddenly the players are three times the size and what they're used to and everything is very very scary like put someone on the track give people something to see and compare it to it's like it's all it's all like uh you know all bark no bite you know so for sure people something to really kind of sink their teeth into and most people have experience, like they've tried to hit a baseball, right? They can physically see the size of an offensive lineman and understand it right away. Like you're saying, it's like track, it's hard to understand that. Most people don't have first experience, firsthand experience with that. Right. Well, and it's always funny because like it, I'm a runner, I do track and stuff. Oh, cool. You've been to the Olympics? Actually, I have. Oh, well, cool. Have you won a medal? No. Like, oh, well, that's cool. Like, oh, come on, man. Like, what the hell? Have you run a marathon? Did they ask you that? Yeah. Marathon? <laughs> How fast is your mile? Like, well, yeah. three. 1500 is 330 what's that mean that, that'll get us on our other rant about how we need to run more miles and less 1500s to get a casual fan to have any idea of how fast you know uh, whatever a 1500 time is so get rid of the 1500 Dude. bring the mile back baby so <laughs> well, i mean i'll be i'll be completely honest with you right like i i hear 330 and i you know i've run track my life so i know kind of in my mind what 330 means but just for the sake of you know fully understanding it i had to get onto like my google uh 1500 to mile converter when i came on to this just so i could get like a more full understanding of how fast that freaking time is so it's like if you could say instead of your 1500 time your mile time the average person would definitely be able to relate to that more than a 330 1500 because i would say even most track and field fans don't fully understand how goddamn fast a 330 1500 is right yeah i mean it's funny because you said I mean, well i think that's what 348 347 yeah. something like that yep. so it's like yeah in, in the time it, it takes you to to listen to that, that drake song i'm done running a mile you know right yeah something comparable because like a time is like well that's fast because i think that's 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 a short t- period of time like let me put it in perspective this is kind of what i can do in the time it takes you to do yeah <laughs> you know so like that's that's another part of like the game how to make this tra- this, this sport interesting is like make it comparable to something that's not running related you know i don't know it's like something like oh we've got our guy here's gonna drive a mile i mean obviously that's a little ridiculous but like something that's you know people know really well like run running running is difficult so driving like from this bridge to that bridge or something in a town where like people i drive that every day that guy did it in half the time you know so (laughs) something kind of silly and it goes to your point of comparing it towards joe schmell you know, just something that someone actually understands what's going on out there. You got to educate. 
that's that's the that's the frustrating part. People don't really want to tune in unless they know the prize is like something they can they would be like, oh, that's a great prize. Like Olympics has that its own connotation, but every other track meet is like, okay, so for instance, trials, top three go to the Olympics, huge prize. All right, you know, the fun run turkey trot may not have great prize, but you know, but if you throw like a huge dollar amount or like, I don't know, a Ferrari prize, something kind of <laughs> on the end of it, suddenly that turkey trot is really interesting. Like a lot of people come out to watch or even try and get it and they end up like falling way short. Like, damn, I didn't get the Ferrari, but man, I, I have an idea of like how hard it is to run a 5k now. Coming soon, the on-sponsored Ferrari 5k. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh man hey andrew thank you so much for coming on it's been a ton of fun you're not we're not going to let you go that quickly we end every interview with a quick game mike kick off down the home stretch down the home stretch we focus on one specific topic hit you with questions tonight we're going to do you know you're somewhat recently retired on to new things in your life so your topic tonight is new beginnings so trent's going to hit you with the first question let's do it all right, new beginnings focused around uh, Mr. Cameron Newton as a quarterback of the New England Patriots. So here you go. Uh, Cam Newton won the Heisman in 2010. You won the Indoor 800 NCAA Championship. Uh, what's more impressive? Um, I didn't want to win the Indoor 800. Oh, Trent, what oh, You suck. Boy, cut that, cut oh, that, idiot. cut that. Oh, um, God. <laughs> I have no indoor title. So I'm going to have to go ahead and hand one to Cam. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. How long till you start dressing like Cam Newton? Oh, my God. Wow. I'm, I'm going to have a few more years of retirement to get to that level. I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't have enough hair. I, I, don't, I give I'm myself until week three. Week three? Yeah. I think I don't see, I see Craig Engels has got a better shot than I do. Yeah. Like that, man. He's halfway there with his leopard print shirts. <laughs> All right. Who is the week one starter of the New England Patriots? Jared Stidham or Cam Newton? Uh, I'd say Cam Newton because of his, his MVP record. Um, but I'll give him until week two or three to, to get injured. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't, but the guy's like glass. Andrew, have you ever stolen a computer? Oh, no. <laughs> Very proud of that. It's good to know. 42 is just way old to be a quarterback, right? Well, you would think. <laughs> Some, uh, someone has uh, disproven those odds. Um, there's our boy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Be 12 all, right. all day. Um, have you seen his Instagram workout videos, Cam? I haven't. You should check them out. They're pretty impressive. Like, is is it? He's like, it's a good workout. Uh, oh, buddy, he's a beast. Oh, your your injury tune might might change a little bit. Go oh, ch man. check out check him out on Instagram. I would love nothing more than to be proven wrong <laughs> and Cam just run through this season and just dominate. I think everybody's kind of on the fence. Like, oh, Cam Newton's going to be great. He'll be fine. But I just hope he's healthy enough, right? Like, that's the, that's the headline. I, just, I hope we're all wrong. And he just comes running a train over the entire NFL. Like, y'all thought I would break in your face. <laughs> all right, Andrew. If you had to pick, or if you could pick any pro or college teammate and you had to tackle Cam Newton in the open field, could you guys get him down? 
Well, is it me now, or is it me like runner style, like fully in training? Let's do like po- like right at the end of your prime. So not like peak prime, but still running competitively. Um, I think we'd probably be like if he just kept doing steps backwards, he'd be he'd be dead. But as soon as he like made a cut, all of our knees would shatter, and he would just <laughs> win, hard win. Bro, flow, hit him with the last question. All right. I can't be a Cam Newton fan right away, and I think it's going to take me till he wins the Super Bowl because of what he did to the Oregon Ducks in 2011 in the national championship game. Are you over that, and is he your quarterback? Because he's not my quarterback right now. No, I've, are you kidding me? I was at that game. I saw what he did. And that guy, that, that what is it? There's a, a wide receiver from Auburn who should have been down or running Should have been down. down. And he just – he somehow got another 20, 30 yards, and they ended up winning the game. That game needs an asterisk. Like, there was a terrible call. I'm still holding on to it. I'm very upset. And it's, it, just, it just is not comfortable that that is the player. That man is on my team now, and I have to for him. Like, I, I'm so torn. I've got the rest of the roster I'm, I can live with. But Cam, I've not gotten over that, all right? 2011 was a hard year. <laughs> Super Bowler. Whatever he wasn't even here, right? You, you know, you don't deserve Patriots, you stupid punk. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, Sorry, I don't know if you remember up. me, but we were at the uh, the uh, the Brooks after party at the running event, and I had a I had a I had a Patriots sweatshirt on, and uh, I went to go get a drink, and you're like, "Hey, Patriots!" And we talked Tom Brady for like. 20 30 minutes and just completely alienated everybody you were talking to like before that so <laughs> hey man, good I, see stuff. Pat, I see a pat symbol and I'll, I'll, I'll go off that's right Yo, man. you and me we're gonna be friends and listen we we're we we've been we've been in some serious pain ever since tom brady broke up with us and, and broke our hearts so we're just latching on to any bit of excitement that we can take right now and hey we got a former mvp lining up behind center and i'm pumped hey man like you know we've we've had it pretty good it's been a couple of decades where it's just been nonstop winning dominance we just can't not lose so no yeah or not win sorry that was it we just can't not win <laughs> double negative to get you but Damn, you could be you could be in a pretty nasty hole right now. I feel like even the Browns or shoot the Bengals have been kind of so there's there are much worse teams out there to kind of be stuck on the train with. And if I gotta live with Cam Newton in 2011 going forward, given my two decades our two decades of success, I'm, I will swallow that pride and I will join the Cam Newton bandwagon fan group because I would like another Super Bowl. Me too. Me too. It'd be awesome. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a, a ton of fun. We're all big fans of you. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing what, what On does in the not too distant future. Keep your eyes peeled, boys. It's coming. <laughs> yeah, man. Hey, man. Thank, thanks. I, uh, I have like about a dozen questions I haven't even gotten to yet. So we're going to have to do this again in the, in the future. Right on. Well, dude, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. All right, that interview with Andrew Weeding is brought to you by Bell App Track and Field Gear, where your purchases go directly back to professional athletes. Support the sport you love with the help of the Bell App boys. Look good, feel good, run good. And guys, not only are your purchases going directly back to these athletes and the gear you're buying for them, is that money's going to them, you're helping athletes get sponsored, right? Like athletes are on the verge of having a sponsor, but 
you know, just not making that mark. You're giving them a chance to get sponsored by these guys and launch them into bigger and better things. Go to their Instagram page right now. You got to, their gear is sick. It's unbelievable. You'll be swagged out, but also you're helping athletes make some money and give them a chance to, you know, do amazing things. So get there right now. Not only is Bell App great, you know, great brand. Do you have great gear for you guys? They're philanthropists. They, uh, I'm raising a little bit of money for the Falmouth Road Race. You can check it out on my personal uh, Instagram page. I got the link there. Uh, but thank you, Bell App, for making a small donation. So I appreciated that. These guys, these guys got big hots over there. They're doing a good thing for the sport. Um, and they're also, you know, helping out some, some good causes. So uh, thank you, Bell App, and everybody should check them out. Go check out uh, Trent's Instagram page. Very cool cause that he's running for. Maybe considering tossing him a couple bucks. So, Mike, why don't we kick off the last segment of the day? All right, so we got our personal podiums. And tonight, we're talking about, you know, anybody who's ever run cross-country in their life, track and field, even just your local 5K can relate to this one a little bit. We're going to be talking about, you know, stuff people yell at you when you're racing. So your coaches, your teammates, what are they screaming at you? The best of the best of what they're screaming at you. Steve, you always have some kind of crazy system of trying to find out who goes first. Honestly, just you pick the order because I'm just going to agree with whatever you say. Go, it's going Trent, Mike, me. Okay, so, all right, that's perfect. I'm ready. I'm ready for this number one pick. So with the first pick of the uh, peak too early, what do we call the segment again? This Pers- the podium, not Rushmore. Personal podium. Podium. With podium. <laughs> I'm going with he's Whoa. dying, right? Somebody's Ooh. yelling at you that the guy in front of you, or you don't even know which guy it is most of the time, <laughs> but that guy's dying because you know that if if he can hear it, it's so demoralizing that somebody is is pointing out you, you know, this person in front of you and saying, this guy is is not even to make it to the end of the race. And I just... I, you know, feed off the ridicule of another runner. And, and that's, that's why that's the best. It's great. That, that, yeah, that one's awesome. And there's so many different versions of that one. But that concept of, you know, making sure that you call out the people in front of them <laughs> and just, you know, giving them some kind of motivation to get them. So this one, Steve, I'm sorry. You made Damn the it. order. You know, I, you I made, made the, the order. order. Come on. I, you, you had every opportunity. Damn but it. this is... This is the greatest one of all time. I mean, there's just no question about it. The fact that it didn't go first overall is a shame, but it's going to hurt either way. It's going to hurt either way. That's a Coach Maya special, but I mean, it's the greatest of all time because there's so much to it, right? It's saying if you push yourself harder and you go after it, yeah, of course it's going to hurt. But if you don't, the the mental pain that's going to come with it is going to hurt just as much. It's going to hurt either way. I mean, that's that's the one. That's the one right there. The I mean, that's not time. just something you yell at a runner. That's what you live your life. That's what I live my life by. It's going to hurt either way. When there's something that I don't want to do and, you know, procrastinating, putting it off is going to hurt me later more than it hurts me right now. I hear Coach Maya in my brain yelling at me. It's going to hurt either way. Just do it now. So um, that's – that's that's a first round pick all day and so the i'm gonna go with my first round pick it's actually a combination of uh of what coach maya our high school coach used to yell at us and what um my coach post collegially used to say so it's uh it's smooth 
smooth as fast. Just yelling, you know, when, when you know, it's, it's usually early on in the race, they're yelling at you, just be relaxed, be smooth, smooth as fast, baby. And, and coach, my, coach, my, uh, you know, obviously our old Ooh. high school coach, smooth. It wasn't, there was no TH or smooth. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and then I'm going to go with, let's see, let's see. So this one, so that one smooth is a, is a early on in the race type thing. This one is, this one is later on in the race and it's, you didn't come this far to give up now. Right. And you know what, this is one of the few that work on me because usually you're in the middle of races toward the end and somebody, everybody's yelling stuff at you and it doesn't register. That's one that sticks with me because you know, everybody gets those doubts creeping in at the end of the race. But when you hear you came all this way to give up now, that, that, that kicks my ass into gear and I go after it. Love it. Love it. So these ones so far have all been like pretty motivational and, you know, kind of get you going. This next one I'm going to throw out. I've always found a little patronizing because we all know what it means, right? This one is the, you look great, right? (laughs) You look great. And that is, I have nothing else to say to you, right? Like I can't motivate you. I, you are falling apart and you have nothing left and you're just trying to give them any kind of positive feedback. And anytime you're in a race and someone yells, you look great. Uh, insulin in your head. You're just like, I hate you. I hate you so much. Shut up. I, I don't want to be doing this. I want, I, I want this to end immediately. It is the most patronizing thing in the entire world, but it is said hundreds of times per race i mean it is the most common like i don't know what else to say so i'm just gonna tell them they look great when it's obvious that they don't i mean i'm a big you look great guy yeah (laughs) and that's a mike that's our our dad special right so Mm -hmm. like if we're having a bad race and and you know there isn't anything good to say i and when i hear and you know listen our father great great sideline coach you know he's been at every best, athletic event in the he could ever be at and when things are going better he's got great things to say but when you hear a you look great from our father you know that the race it's over. is not going it's your over. way <laughs> so i want to i want to play off that theme there for the races where you've just completely fallen apart you know the you look great really is just you, you can't even say that to the person because they're so far back and they're having such a bad race that it's so demoralizing to even hear that. So it's when you're running by and you just get like the golf clap and maybe the like, here we go. Like you can't even say <laughs> you're doing good. You can't even say, you know, you're almost there. It's just like, you know, the courtesy clap because you're, you're having such a bad day. Um, you know, you, there's, it, it's the only thing that's acceptable in that moment. Yeah, that that was actually going to be my last pick. There was nothing there was nothing worse than in college and you're coming around it's a 5k, 10k and you're coming around and you're looking for your split and your coach doesn't say anything. Yeah, just nothing. That is the worst <laughs> feeling in the world where it's just like it's not even worth me giving you like, that split. Yeah. But buddy, you trust me, you don't want to know. You don't need this one. <laughs> you don't want to know. You just get the golf clap instead. You get that golf clap, and then you get the strangers that are that are like the throwers or the jumpers that are just kind of watching you and you're you're really just bringing up the rear or the parents of the other team and they just feel like you need a clap because you're struggling. Uh and then this one, you know, I debated whether it it belongs on the podium, but it's so uh, used and so overused that it has to be there and that's and that's eyes up another eyes up. classic don't know what to say to the person 
And even when the person has their eyes up, right, they're looking straight ahead. You're just like, eyes up, eyes up. Dude, and like, wh- what does that even mean? Like, what does that even mean? So that's my go-to. That's my go-to. <laughs> yeah. So whenever, whenever our younger brothers, Chris, he's, he's got a big, he's got a big sideways tilt to his head when he's running. And he knows if he hears eyes up for me, he's not running well. <laughs> so that's, that's like a, at least there's some good meaning to it, right? That you can say it. But a lot of times you hear it where this person's, you know, running great, running poorly. And I guess it's for that off case, like, so the tilted head is one thing, but at least they're still looking up. Like if the person really is just looking straight down underneath them for, for some reason while they're running, I guess if you're hurting that bad and you're about to hurl, you're looking down. Um, but the eyes up is just a classic overuse. I, I also think it's kind of like supposed to be like secret code for like, mm. look who's in front of you. You know what I mean? Like if the team you need to beat is in front of you, you don't want to say to them like, hey, you got to catch that guy. It's like eyes up, like look who's in front of you type of thing. But again, we all know what that means. And it's just a ridiculous thing. Good point. But, but actually, I, wanna, I just want to keep riffing off this one. I like this one. So you say we all know what that means. I actually think people that people don't know what it means, right? Yeah, <laughs> maybe, like, but maybe, when you maybe. say it, <laughs> you sound like you know what you're talking about, right? So if I want to sound not just like a here we go, you know, go get them type of, type of uh, spectator, right? I want to pretend like, oh, I know cross country, I know track. I would say something along the lines of, you know, eyes up, eyes up. And then the, you know, the person next to you is like, oh, this guy knows what he's talking about. So maybe, maybe it's just the perfect, like if, you, if you're going to a cross country meet and you have no idea what you're talking about, that's just the perfect, it's, it's kind of like, eyes on the ball type of thing right Mm. i mean like for baseball like keep your eye on the ball it's just like simple no one truly knows the exact meaning of it but just eyes up eyes up and you sound like you know what you're talking about so it's a good one so the last one i'm gonna go with man i I always get stressed out because there's so many i want to say i think the one i'm gonna go with and this is like my go-to favorite um you know there's always a like one like psychopath on a cross-country course who is just sprinting around like a maniac and just screaming. And it's he, it's the person that like parents go home and they're like, did you see that kid? <laughs> and that, that is me, right? That, that is me. And this one is, you know, the listeners obviously can't see what I'm doing, but it's just like finger, like, like crazy grip point right at them. And you're just like talking through your teeth. You don't want to talk loud enough so that the other teams hear you, but it's like, there's no, the words don't matter. It's like, you better get yourself going. You got to get going right now. He's right in front of you type of thing. And it's, it, it, the words don't matter, but it's the tone of voice, like desperation. Like I am going to kill you if you don't pick it up. And that is, that only happens when a race is in your grips. Like you are losing, but you have a chance to pull this out. If you do something dramatic, so you are just, probably too close to their face, right? Like you are like in, in on the course right next to them. You're doing that like side shuffle where you're like kind of like sticking with them and running for at least like, you know, 10 to 15 feet and just giving it to them. Everything you got where you're sweating and just disgusting and you look like a maniac. That is, that's my favorite. That's my, I had, I had that's a classic. Gibberish on yeah. Gibberish. Yeah, classic. exactly. That's what just it is. <laughs> don't even know what they're saying. There's just anger or excitement in the voice and that's it. So am I the last one here? You're the last one. So 
it, this usually happens when I'm at a road race and I'm kind of cheering people on and there's just kind of a, a steady stream of people. I immediately revert back to like little league baseball where it's just like, Hey, here we go, guy. Here we go. You got him. You got him. You got him. You got him. We got him. We got him. Hey, hey, here we go. Here we go. It's just, I just call it little league baseball talk. So that's, that's kind of my, one of my go-tos when I'm at a road race. I love it. I love it. What what do we miss here? What do we miss? Trent, this one, you'll, you'll appreciate this one. It's, you know, very like think- limited targeted one, but it's just pack up. Usually that's like, <laughs> we used to say that when we were in the race and it's kind of a desperation thing. It's like, you just like want your, you make sure your teammates, if you have a teammate that's fallen off or something like that, pack up, pack up. That was, that was always a good go-to one. Flow, what you got over there? Yeah, I just want to. I'm, I'm curious, Mike. It sounds like you might have been this guy, but not quite the same. I feel like every <laughs> sport I've ever played, you got the guy on the team that really doesn't like produce anything to like winning a game, and he knows that, and that's fine, and that's his role. But he's there to like kind of make a scene. Like this is what he's gonna do. So he's just yelling crazy stuff that has nothing to do. No one actually knows what it means. Probably profanity in it. Is there like a wacko? on every cross country oh. team that's just yeah. there to yell and like make the mothers be like, Whoa, what, what does like this <laughs> statement mean? Cause no one could possibly understand. It can't mean anything. Yeah. So Flo, I would say for 93% of my career, that is what I contributed to cross country, right? Like you have the one guy who's like the team guy, he's going to rally the troops. He's going to, you know, cheer harder than anybody's not, you know, I had like the 7% of my career, where I contributed to a winning culture. The other 93%, I was just the the rah-rah guy. So, yeah, I mean, that is a critical, critical component to a cross-country team. I'd say most cross-country teams have multiple of those guys and where, you know, you can only put seven guys on a line. You, it leaves a lot of room for to have that rah-rah guy for sure. Like you need a fall guy, like you say something that for the sure. pitcher, the pitcher, you know, he goes home, he's going to be thinking in the back of his mind, like, what did that kid mean when he said like this outrageous statement? He's the fall guy of the team. So this might be giving a little bit too much insight and I won't go too far, but before big cross country meets in college, we used to have a PowerPoint presentation for the opponents we were about to go up against. So we would know <laughs> what to target. And, you know, in the race, you'd have motivation, but also the, you know, the guys on the sidelines would have stuff to target. Yes. You know, it's important. It's an important part of the sport. I love it. So one time, this has only happened to me one time in a race, and it was the single greatest thing I've ever heard during a race. And so in college, we were, it was, it was mile three of an 8K, so a little bit further than halfway. And uh, we had six guys in the top 10 and it was just a top 10 pack we had six guys and there was a big gap and one of my teammates we come running by and we're looking good we're feeling good and he just yells at me he goes warm up the bus and he just walks towards the bus i was just like that that got me fired up because then then i was like well there's no way we can we can we can fall off this pack like i am hanging on this pack with everything i got because he he made that call love the swag any other ones yeah i got this one oh go ahead no, no, please. Thank you. I got anytime <laughs> somebody identifies the number of uh, like his cross country meet, right? He's mm. their fourth. He's their fifth. He's their second. You know, he's their sixth. And you, you are running. First off, that person, you know, probably doesn't even know what they're talking about. 
about, right? It's too hard to, to count on it sometimes. Second off, it just means so little to you at the time, right? Like you're just running your race and you know, you know, like Mike said, we, we talk about like guys to go after, right? Maybe there's a certain team that you're specifically need to get in front of, but people start yelling numbers at you. And it's like, I can't, I can't process that mid race right now. Like that is, that's way too much math for me, right? I'm going to try and run my ass off and catch the runners in front of me, but it makes no difference to me whatsoever. If that guy is their first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, or seventh, he's the guy in front of me. And that's all I can do. But people like people expect you to have a calculator out there while you're running. I'm a, I'm a big numbers guy out there. I'm a big, big numbers guy. And, you know, I, this, this leads right into nicely into one of my other ones that, that made the short list was you need him. You need him. Yeah. So, I'm, oh, so, yeah, like, God, so, like, I, I go at the six, seventh guy with depla- uh, displacement. You need him. Displacement. You need him. That, that's a big one for me. Yeah, and that, that ties into mine. It's like um, either, like, I guess this one's it, – it's more for, like, if you – have already lost already lost the race and like you you're trying to still motivate your guys like get your time get your time type of thing right like race the clock race the clock that one when somebody starts telling you to like get your time or race the clock you know either you're in a cross-country race and your team has already lost or you're running like crap and they're just telling you <laughs> to like start pulling off splits another one i didn't put in there if, if you tell a- me to get my time then i might as well just walk off the course yeah it's all it's all <laughs> And then another one, this is a very personal one. Uh, I, when I get tired, my arms come up high. <laughs> so uh, drop your arms. I mean, I got drop your arms for 10 years of my life. And if, at, at, at some point, it's like, buddy, listen, I'm just trying to finish this race. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Like, I, I, my form's not going to look great. It never looks great. At this point, I, I've heard it, okay? I've been told to drop my arms. It's not going to change now, so... I don't say it. We all have like our tick, our little thing that when we're hurting, you know, happens. Some people it's the head tilt. Some people, you know, it's your, you, you, you get your, your form just gets out of control. Mine, you know, I got you my the arms. Came arms. Up. Yeah. My arms came up. I was punching Teammates myself in the face. I don't know. Would, to, uh, you'd cross the finish line with black eyes. Cause you punch, yeah. punch yourself. I mean, it just, we all got our thing. We all got our thing. Drop your arms. You, is like eyes up, right? It makes you feel smart as a spectator too. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure. just telling you to run faster. I'm critiquing your form. Trent, if I can recall, you were a big head, head, head tilt guy too, right? When you were getting tired. I don't even know if it was a head tilt. It's more like a swivel, you know? It was like yeah, my maybe. head was like a top. Yeah, your head's going back, like back, all back, really. back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Like every direction out there. That was, you know, you don't realize how bad it is till someone shows you a picture or a video of it too. Like, I don't think, I wonder, Mike, do you ever realize how much you you like punch yourself in the eyes until someone showed you because I didn't, I thought everybody no. was exaggerating it. And then I saw a picture. I was like, Whoa, what do, what am I doing out there? Yeah. I mean, I really shouldn't be the one to talk, but you were an all time like form falling apart guy. Yeah. You really were like, it was just a mess. And like, not like d- you were a phenomenal runner, much better than I was, but you didn't, you never had the look of a runner, right? Like you, you were much bigger guy out there than the guys around you. So when your form started to go, I mean, it was just a sight to be seen. Oh man. Hey, I gotta say that, uh, that segment was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. That was great. It was a good one. All right, boys, let's kick off the bell app. Mike, what do you got for people on the bell app? Yeah. So, I mean, whatever we, we came in, I've jumped back and forth from the optimistic, pessimistic, optimistic, pessimistic, Mike. Listen, 
I, I, I said it earlier, and I do feel like it's going to be a pretty long time till we get running and running competitively and, you know, lining up on a track or a starting line with people. But listen, we're going to keep grinding. We're going to keep doing what we do and, and, and talking about this, having fun with it and sharing stories, maybe doing some more creative stuff because it's going to be a while till we can talk about real legitimate results. But that doesn't, we're going to figure it out, right? Like, I feel like we've come this far. I'm still having a blast doing this. So we're not going to stop. And I, I know I can be pessimistic, Mike, sometimes here, but you know, if there's anything, it's like, all right, this gives us time to be creative and unique and set ourselves up. And the day that we finally get people lining up on a line again, we're going to be ready for it. We're going to be hyping the crap out of it. And it's going to be incredible. So just because I've been pessimistic, don't get down on it. Don't get down on our sport. We're still growing this thing. We're still taking it all the way. So that's what I got to say. Right? Love it. Trent, what do you got people on the bell app? Hey, one of my New Year's resolutions has been accomplished. <laughs> Shout out, Chapin Stewart. Just giving me a random DM, right? Just, just a what's up to your boy. You know, he knew, he knew I was looking to, to make it big time, and he made me big time by just, by just giving me that random DM. Just slide in the DMs, as the kids would say. So, Chapin Stewart, uh, he's a big fan of the pod, and I appreciate him you know, making my new year's resolution come true in July. I mean, I still had five months or six months for this, right? I mean, I am ahead of schedule. So I don't know what you guys are doing to, to knock off your resolutions, but I am ahead of the game here. Trent, I, that was going to be my bell lap asking if you got a DM. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Shout out Chapin. Pro flow. What do you got for people in the bell app? Yeah, it's actually kind of similar. It doesn't have to be a DM, but I did request, you know, if anyone had any advice or any sort of support for me for this race coming up, I've gotten absolutely zero. So I just want to make it clear. If you're not going to say anything to me, you're against me and you're dead to me. So if you're not on team pro flow for this race coming up, then, I mean, that's it. So I've heard absolutely nothing. So I'll go Michael Jordan and I'll make up stuff to motivate me, but I feel like everyone wants me to lose at this point. So that's really it. Love it. Love it. Well, since, uh, since Trent already answered my, uh, my, my bell app question, I'll just say this. If you hit us up in the iTunes review, give us a, give us a five-star rating in a review, calling out somebody for the two miler, get a little rivalry going, you know, start that, get that bad blood going for this race. We got coming up. We'll read it on the next podcast. So get in our, get in our iTunes review, leave a review Let's uh let's get some rivalries going. I'm let's get it let's get uh let's get excited about this. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Pat, hit me with the Josie. Josie's on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I wanna say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just wanna use your love tonight. Young How was your weekend, Steve? It was awesome, dude. Down in, down in Key West. Oh, shit. How's flying and stuff? I mean, it was fine. I mean, the plane was half yeah. full. Everybody's wearing their mask. Appreciate you saying half full. I'm not half empty, Steve. That's, <laughs> That's right. It's the way to start this thing off here. It's perspective.